Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we discuss pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. I'm your host, Julia Washington, and on today's show, I'm discussing the 1998 teen school school is out movie, Can't Hardly Wait. Carly and Becca are back, and you know what that means, so buckle up, buttercup. Can't Hardly Wait was released June 12th, 1998, just in time for graduation weekend. But before we dive in, let's say hello to my guests, Carly Adams, Becca Montez. They're back. Hey, friends. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us back. I'm so excited about this one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So much to say. There's a lot. I can't wait. So we're going to kick it off with a summary of the movie for those of you who don't watch movies in a different century. (laughs) From a different century. On the night of graduation, everyone imaginable from Huntington High attends the end of the year party of all parties. But one young teen plans to profess his undying love for the most beautiful girl in school, and he plans to do so at the party. This movie stars all of the 90s heartthrobs Ethan Embry, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Peter Facinelli, just to name a few. This movie released the weekend of my eighth grade graduation, so naturally setting up an unfair expectation for what high school parties, especially graduation parties, should look like. And the reviews, oh, the reviews, the New York Times said, so originality is not the strong suit of Can't Hardly Wait, which was written and directed by Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan. But these two, whose earlier writing credits include a very Brady sequel, Homeward Bound 2, and Jingle All the Way, do show easygoing humor and the wisdom to borrow well. Their film at various times recalls tender-hearted coming-of-age comedies from American Graffiti onward with strong homage to the works of Cameron Crowe, Amy Heckerling, and John Hughes. Roger Ebert gave this film a star and a half and seemed pained to lump it into the category with other teen movies like Say Anything, American Graffiti, Dazed and Confused, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and Porky's. But the SF Gate said, Can't Hardly Wait has freshness, comic invention, and an engaging romantic spirit. Thank you, San Francisco. So let's start with, did you like this movie and why? I freaking love this movie. (laughs) It was the best. I remember, I think I had it on VHS. I think I did. I think I wanted it on VHS. I definitely, I have it on DVD somewhere. um, Somewhere, wherever my DVDs are. They've been boxed up because the baby likes to open them up. Yeah. Um, Also, they're obsolete. (laughs) So just like you, Julia, we graduated from eighth grade at the same time. Different schools. Yeah. Same time. Mm -hmm. At my school, when you got out, of eighth grade like when you graduated that day was a minimum day for some reason so the plan was like the last friday it was like you had a minimum day and then it was like minimum day graduation rehearsal and then like five hours later you're gonna come back for graduation so between the graduation rehearsal and graduation we're like let's go catch a matinee let's go see that new jennifer love hewitt movie yeah so a group of like 10 of us went to the movies together and it was like probably the first time that I ever went to the movies just with my friends. Um, 
And I definitely remember like going to the movies, watching it, like laughing, crying, like being so into it. And like, just remembering like the feeling of like, this is what I have to look forward to. Yes. This is going to be my next four years. Like I didn't have the expectation that like, that's how high school parties were going to be. But I had the expectation that at that moment I had culminated my junior high experience. And I knew that in four years, that was going to be my future. Yeah. And I was going to be Jennifer Love Hewitt. And someone was going to profess their love to me. And it wasn't going to be my second cousin. <laughs> by marriage. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh my gosh. So gross. <laughs> so gross. But also, cousin could get it. Like if they he weren't. Was cute. Actually, he, he was, was cute. He was cute. He was, he was yeah, he was cute, but also he, he gross. So yeah. <laughs> also me um, too. <laughs> you mean you're gross too? No, me, no means no. Me too. Yeah. Gosh, no oh, means oh, no. Got it. Yeah. I am gross, <laughs> so I love this. I don't remember exactly when I saw it for the first time, but I love movies that take place in a day. Yes. I love that. Like 200 mm-hmm. cigarettes, uh, empire records. Um, so like nineties movies, one day giant cast, I'm here for it. And they make me so happy. Um, but yeah, this one is like so silly, but it, I feel like it just beautifully captures this moment where you're kind of leaving childhood behind mm-hmm. and like moving on to this big next yeah. chapter. And I will forever have love in my heart for this film. Same. I loved this movie. I was like, but also when I was watching it yesterday in preparation for a conversation, I was like, we were supposed to buy that Peter Facinelli and his friend group were high schoolers. Oh my God. I totally bought it 20 plus years ago, but now I'm just like, mm, that fool with the blonde hair who's dating what's her face, who's in also every Jamie like, Presley. Thank you. Yeah. Clearly looks like a grown ass man. I can't believe I ever thought he was in high school in right? 1998. Anyway, but yeah, I like knew- this was this is one of the one movies because this is the third movie we're talking about now. This is one of the one movies where the actors weren't in high school. Because the other movies, like Larissa Olnick was like 16 mm-hmm. when she was in 10 Things I Hate About You. Same thing with Julia Stiles. Same thing yeah. with like they were like they were younger. Like, they were like they were younger. Yeah. yeah, they were like playing someone their age. This is like the beginning of those movies where it's like, no, but like, but like, no. You guys, like, the guy who played that blonde jock, his name is Shannon Rowe. I just looked it up, and he was born in 1969. Whoa! So he was like a 31 year old, 29 year old man. No wonder I didn't buy it as I'm playing. I mean, he was Gabrielle Union because Gabrielle yeah, Gabrielle like, Union still looks like she's she 25. still looks to this oh, day. Yeah. Could still be cast in the movie, and it's I would buy it. Yeah. I didn't even believe Freddie Freddie Rodriguez in that in that. Um, oh yeah, he's 1975. So, so he's like 24, why. 23. Yeah, that's oh yeah. my gosh, wild. Yeah, that that whole I love that whole group. We'll get into it. Though. Yeah, we'll get into it. I love how when you read the when you look on like IMDb, mm-hmm. like they don't say their names. It's just like Jock One, Jock yeah. Two, Jock Three. <laughs> just like her name is Rachel. She has a name. Yeah, <laughs> but that's their credit name. Yeah, their yeah. credit yeah. name is like they're credited as yeah friend group one. I loved this movie so much and I have to admit 
I think in high school, I maybe had two parties that were like this caliber that I went to. So, you know, that expectation came to fruition. So thanks. Good job, everybody. (laughs) I mean, definitely in in college, like I went to parties like this. In college, I went to parties like this. Yes. And they always gave me anxiety. So I never liked going to parties like this. Oh my God, I love that. I think the only thing close to a party like this was I was invited to a birthday party for like one of the richest girls in school. Mm -hmm. who's like mom and dad have a private plane and like, they had a DJ and they got a dance floor, but it was like essentially like a wedding. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't like a rager. We're going to destroy everything. Well, I don't think the intention is to destroy everything. I think just naturally happens over the that naturally the happens when you invite, which is why I don't invite people to come to my house. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just God, I loved this movie. I loved it. So oh, and yeah. Ethan Embry, oh my God. I mean, you mentioned Empire Records. Like, oh my God. Empire I loved Records. him so much in that movie. I <laughs> used to watch that so much that we had friends specifically when they came over say, like, like can we not can we watch, watch that? Can we <laughs> can we not watch that, that again? Please? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And he was in that thing you do. And I just oh, loved him in that was. thing you do. Oh, so I love that thing you do. But oh. in Empire Records, he's credited as Ethan Randall. He didn't change his name until a little bit later. Oh, interesting. There's really? a fun fact. Really? Mm-hmm. Dude, whole- yeah. Yeah. I got to say, I didn't um, watch this movie to prepare for it because I'd watched it on my own so recently <laughs> that I was like, I mean, I watched it like a month ago. Do I need to read? I think I'm good. No, I, I literally so hadn't seen this movie. Oh, for like probably like fifteen years, maybe like oh, ten wow. years. Been a long time. That's a fresh perspective. Um, yeah, I watch but it once I, a year. Funny thing is, now I'm friends with someone who went to high school with Charlie Cormo. Mm-hmm. The kid. Yeah, yeah, he went to high school with him. Wow, um, and he's like. Which like, he yeah. didn't even want to do that movie because he was like such a childhood actor guy. Like it took yeah. a lot of coaxing for him to do the movie. Yeah. Oh but it was like the last movie he ever did. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I'm out. Yeah. Well, and then he, I guess he's slated. I read somewhere he's slated to work on something like coming up so he could be back. But he oh. went to like Yale and I want to yeah. say Harvard or, was yeah. it or like MIT. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He went to two Ivy League schools and then became uh, like a big shot lawyer. Yeah. I want to say is that yeah, right? that sounds right. Um, amazing. Loved him in he's Hook. Like, yes, in Hook. He was so good in Hook. He's like the Mayan Bialik of boy child. Yes, yes. doing the most. Yes. Ugh. Anyway, anyway. If you find yourself stressed by the clutter of your home and wish you could create simple solutions that are easy to maintain. Carly Adams will teach you exactly what to do in her clutter-free home process course community. Learn the process she uses with every client, tips to help you think like a home organizer, and get personalized accountability for a full year. Join the community April 28th through May 6th and receive never offered bonuses that are too long to list here. But believe me, you won't want to miss them. Check out tidyrevival.com slash pop to learn more. Friends, if you're listening to this episode after May 6th, 2022, still head to Tidy Revival to learn more about all the programs Carly Adams has to offer. 
the whole premise of the movie, if you hadn't been catched it yet by our conversation, begins when Ethan Embry's character, Preston Myers, learns that the love of his life in high school, Amanda, played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, has been dumped by Mike Dexter, the hottest football player and possibly the hottest guy in school. He does so because he is under the impression that his life will be better in college and he wants to be free and clear with no attachments because he's a fucking douchebag. Preston's best friend, Denise, isn't so convinced that Preston's plan is a good idea and a bunch of other shenanigans are going on around them. This movie is a hodgepodge of stories that are on the peripheral of Preston's mission and yet crucial to him achieving his goal, which leads me to favorite characters and side story and why. Here you go. Uh, I am going to say William. Well, I freaking love William. I love that he is. I have no legs. (laughs) I love that he. Down to the paradise. I like that he's like gone in with this like scientific mindset of like infiltrating the party. But he's like, no, don't worry, guys. I've like calculated how much I can drink without having my impairment. Like he printed it from the net, which nobody (laughs) calls the the net anymore. Yeah. Cut this off the net. I love that he's his friends like get stuck on the roof and are just like hanging out there. I love that he becomes like the life of the party. And then I love the three jocks and their girlfriends and how they're like gonna break up, but they like actually they don't. They really like their girlfriends, so they don't. I just yeah, the the side characters so good. Yeah, my favorite character in the entire movie is Kenny Fisher because he is ridiculous. Yes, those goggles. That's green. We love you. Perfectly cast. That perfectly cast. That character could not have been played any better by anyone else. And he's just like, yeah. Seth Green. And Denise being like, why? Why do you talk like that? You know, you're white. Look in the mirror. Which is a gif that I saw online, and it's so good. Um. Oh my gosh. And his sex kit. (laughs) The sex backpack. With like candles and blue, the Kama like, Sutra book. Yeah, because he's gonna have time. He's like, I know he's like, when he was practicing and he had like the he's leg like, up. He's and like, he was this like, won't work, and he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and I just book? like, like even though I hated what a douchebag he was afterwards, after him and Denise get together, yeah. he's like, it's not my fault you don't got the flavor. Oh, that was <laughs> so <laughs> shitty. But it was like, couldn't stop laughing. It's like this motherfucker, I hate you, and then I'm like. <laughs> Also, when, he's, when he's originally hearing the girls talking and she's like, the first guy who, who hits on me, I'll have sex with him. Yeah. The first guy who talks to me, he's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also love, this is just a side note, but I love the casting of Denise and Kenny because I like that Kenny's like a little guy and Denise isn't like this scrawny girl. She's like a, like a normal, regular size girl. And yeah. like just... I think that that made me really happy at the time and now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I I I I can't disagree. Like I agree with both of you. Like William's storyline is so f- he is so dedicated to getting his like vindication with um Mike Dexter. Mike Dexter. Dexter. And and it just, you know, you clearly can tell he's never been to a party before. This isn't his story. And he just Mm -hmm. has the best time. And it makes me so happy for him. And then, um, oh, my God, speaking of Kenny, you know, his two friends. 
Yes. Yes. One of them was a never been kissed, by the way. But anyway, <clears throat> when they walk up to the group of black people and they're like, what's up, my. But you know what I didn't realize? I didn't realize at the time they used the hard R. Really? I thought. Maybe I mean, it doesn't matter, but like maybe it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And then they're like like, the fact that they said that. And then afterward, I was the fact that afterward, those guys try to kick their ass. I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what should happen. Yes, because I totally forgot about that scene happening. And when it happened, I was like, what is happening? Because that shit would never happen now. Like nobody no. would ever put that in a movie or a TV show now. Um, and you're right. The response that they had was the appropriate response, with, yeah. which is let's go kick these white boys asses. Yeah. Let's go kick these white boys who are pretending like they're black boys. Yeah. Because like they did not only did they culturally appropriate us, but then they insulted us to our faces. So. Mm-hmm. Which I think was very like, and you know, um, we didn't see a lot of that, right? Like we didn't see a lot of that happening where somebody who is not of that race say something like that. And it's just like, uh, like there was an actual action response to somebody yeah. saying that. And yeah. like, sure it was co- for comedic value, but the point is it sort of reaffirmed this whole, like, you don't get to talk that way. You don't, you don't get to say that. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not okay for you to say that. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Period. The end. Period. The end. Scene. <laughs> Scene. All right. Well, this conversation's done. We just solved all the problems. This episode is brought to you by Hughes by Jewels. Hughes by Jewels offers custom artwork and original prints specializing in watercolor, focusing on the human form and different shades of skin. If you're looking for that perfect gift for a birthday or have a special memory you'd like to commemorate, visit Hughes by Jewels on Instagram or find the Etsy shop of the same name. That's Hughes, H-U-E-S by Jewels, J-U-E-S. L-S. In Roger Ebert's comparison, he likened it to things like Fast Times at Ridgemont High and so on. So to me, that feels like comparing apples and oranges because the bulk of this film is focused on the party itself. While we do have a little bit of the graduation, that's the buildup to the scenario, and we see the resolution the next day, the graduation party is solely like this feel of this is the last night of our lives as kids. So besides the obvious reasons, how is this movie different from other teen movies of our time? I just love how many side stories there are and they go pretty deep. Um, It felt like with like the band breaking up, (laughs) it's like the Reckonmeyer, we love you. Travis Birkenstock, you are always the best. (laughs) We stand. (laughs) We stand. Or like the nerds on the roof, just having, also not realizing they're missing anything and having this whole other wonderful night. They had a wonderful time at the party. They had a wonderful time at that party on the roof of the pool house. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda's, like the night from Amanda's point of view. Yeah. Um, the jocks and the girlfriends, you know, Kenny and Denise. Melissa like, Joan Hart. Oh, yes, was definitely trying to get everyone's signature. <laughs> even like, can we talk about how even the letter had a storyline? Yes. Yes, like, it did. Yeah. Like that scene where like the letter makes it from the trash 
to right in front of Amanda and just like how it was filmed. Like it almost seemed like it was one take. It's just like, no, like this is fate. It will get in Amanda's hands. And, and um, even the host of the party had her own like storyline. Yeah. Which I love that scene where it was like somebody had drawn on the family portrait. (laughs) I like boys. I like what she so terrifying. That's like my actual biggest fear is like a party in my yeah. house and like my shit gets ruined. Yeah. Like when she just... finally finds Kenny and Denise and she's like, get the fuck Like yeah. <laughs> she broke. Get that door fixed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. I like you said, Carly. I think I liked that there were so many side stories. And like it wasn't like like in previous movies, it was like there were side characters and that's all they were. Like, in this movie, like, there's so many side characters, but those side characters have so much, like, depth to the side character. Like, even, like, can we talk about, what's his face, uh, Jason Siegel oh, as the yeah. watermelon guy? Oh, my God, the watermelon scene. Just I die. Fingering the watermelon? Just, just his whole mouth in there, too. Apparently, <laughs> that's his first film, too. Yeah, yeah and then he's like... Mm-hmm. Just like stoner. I'm not going to describe to the audience what you just did. I'm going to let them make assumptions. Just, just watch face in there. Just watch it. Just watch it. Yeah. (laughs) When they're trying to describe what Preston Myers looks like, he's a dude. (laughs) He has hair. He wears. Sometimes he wears t-shirts. Sometimes, yeah. But like, I just like, like there are side characters who get like, like that's a memorable moment. The memorable moment when like Denise is sitting on the couch and then like somebody comes over and sits with her and she's like, hey, aren't you in my like reading lab? And she's like, yeah, I was. And like, she wants to start a conversation. She's like, do it. Like, she does go to our school. school. And it's just like, Denise really thought that like, she didn't want to go to the party in the first place. But she did it for Preston. And then she went and she was not having fun. You could tell she was not having fun at all. And like in that moment, she had like, uh, like maybe, maybe I'll be able to strike up a conversation with someone. And then it's like, womp, womp, womp. Yeah. <laughs> but you know. Just like meeting every expectation Denise had about this party being terrible and terrible. awful for her. Yes. yes. And then she ends up getting trapped with like a nemesis of hers. Yeah. And boning down with them. Yeah. And I love the whole thing. We've all had those people who we were really close with when we were younger and then you mm-hmm. fade, the friendships faded and mm-hmm. to have that be Kenny and Denise's storyline and yeah. not just like a random person from your school, but like this person that you had this very close relationship with. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's beautiful for Kenny to have, you know, experienced that with Denise. Yeah. But then at the end, just, just not my fault you didn't have the flavor. <laughs> fail. Just the fail. And it's I, what I love about this film, too, is that it, you literally get the full high school experience of the social status structure spectrum without having to have it within 24 hours. Yes. It's so good. And I'm just like, like from the jump, they set it up with like who the groups are and what they're about and like clearly defined without like fully like there's an assumption that the audience is intelligent to an extent, right? Yeah. Like they're not dumbing yeah. anything down for you. Like it clearly speaks to the intended audience, which yeah. is like 
teenagers and maybe early 20 something yes. but it's not like like and she's all that like when they're doing the whole like, prom king queen like balloting situation mm-hmm. and um Jess characters like okay and the gay club yeah. and the this club and the that yeah. club and it's like it was like obviously like these people are pigeonholed like these clubs is like that's your social group yeah like this party was like it was like the party to end all parties it was the party where like anybody anybody and everybody was going and what I loved I loved the best was not only everybody and anybody and everyone was there but when the cops showed up everyone was leaving except for Jamie Presley that bitch passed out in his chair and her boyfriend was like honey honey and she She said I gotta go (laughs) <laughs> and then he's like, he it, I'm out. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm in it for me. I was like, buddy, I don't think you're going to the concert in August if you ditched her at that party. Right. <laughs> I know Pearl her dad jam. PS Pearl Jam concert. <clears throat> which by the go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, remember that girl? She was later in a show called I think she was in that show popular. called Popular. She was yeah, popular. Yeah, with she, the scissors. You're all oh, she. she. <laughs> I love that scene. I quote that scene all the time yeah. and nobody gets it. And I'm Oh, I would get it. I would absolutely 100% get it. Can we just, the thing about this movie too, is that I, and what makes it different than the other movies is I almost wasn't really rooting for Ethan Embry. I was just kind of like, buddy, here's the thing. She's out of your league, but she's out of your league, but she's also not because you're going to an Ivy league school. Yeah, and she's dated the same loser for four years, and all she has is her looks. But like, she knows all she has is her she, looks, and she's so insightful about that. Like, she totally yeah. fully comes to terms with the fact that it's just like, yeah, like I, I don't know what I'm doing into this relationship with this guy, and it turns out it was probably a mistake. Yeah, she's and like, she and owns that it. Was my whole high school career, mm-hmm. cool. and I'm regretting my decision completely. Because those little um, snippets that they do in the beginning of like each character of like what yeah. their high school like careers looked like in a snapshot it's like prom queen junior prom queen cheerleader future plans undecided like she clearly doesn't have direction yeah yeah whereas like Ethan Embry seems like to be like a smart guy he's just been pining over her Mm -hmm. for years he's like built it up in his head can I just say Um, though like I feel like that's a very writer author type thing to do when you're like a literary type because yeah. you know he's a part of the literary journal and all these things and like he, unrequited like, love yes like he's totally built this thing up in his head he's written her a letter and I'm just like shit like that is such a like hopeless romantic but also yeah. you're in tuned with like your emotions and put things down on paper kind of situation like I feel like that's but like also accurate. if I was her I'd just be like I'm cool if you if you had gotten a letter from somebody in high school that like outlined all of these things, would that have put you off, or would you have gone chasing? I would have been like, "You're guy? weird." Yeah, I would have been totally like, "You're weird." Yeah. I mean, I think so too. Yeah, I I think like I'm like I don't owe you anything. That's what I would be like. I'd be like, yeah. "Cool." I'd be like, but, "You like, I, don't know me. You think you know me, but yeah. you don't." Ex- yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's like every that's why I never really rooted for them to like get together, but I rooted for everybody else in the movie. It's like yeah. I rooted for everybody else in the movie enough. Like I rooted for Mike Dexter to get destroyed. <laughs> I rooted for William to become the coolest kid in school. Yeah, I rooted for the band to get back together. Yes. I rooted for the band to get Donald back together. 
<laughs> Donald Faison. He was also like 45 in this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was something where I was like, it. This movie was different in the sense that you weren't. It wasn't like an anti-hero. Yeah, but it was. It wasn't like I was rooting for him as much as I was rooting for everyone else. Like it was a truly. I think this is one of like first like true ensemble movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I'm rooting for the entire ensemble here. Yeah, like, I yeah. want everyone to win. Like, and even at the end when Melissa Joan Hart and that weird guy are like, yeah. like I don't know what people do to a yearbook. It's like it's our whole lives. These are our memories. She's like, these are our memories. And they hold hands and it's just like, it's like, no, but you two weirdos did belong together. So I'm glad that that worked out. Mm-hmm. I just like, like this movie not only like showed you like conflict, but it showed the resolution like the next day. Yeah. And I really appreciate that you saw all the loose ends were tied mm-hmm. Except I really want to know what happened to Dharma as the angel stripper. Oh yeah. Did she get home? Oh right? Yeah. Can we have a spinoff movie with just her 40 years later? Jenna Elfman. I'm in it. Jenna Elfman. Yeah. Yeah. Into it? I'm into any. That was like peak Dharma and Greg. I remember when she came on screen. I was like, it's Dharma. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like. Danny Elfman's niece through marriage. But also I'm like, why? That's a really anticlimactic stripper outfit. Well, I feel like for 1998, probably in a teen movie, it works. Yeah. I mean, this is like, because she's an angel. Angels play harps. I know, but why, why does she need that as a stripper? I don't know. Because she's for gonna... this first 30 seconds. I, when she's I also love the whole Barry Manilow thing where she's yes, like, if you, so if you want him, then you get him. Go for him. Yeah. Go for it. Like, if you want, if you want to be with him and he's like, no, yeah. that's not what we were talking about. I love Jerry O'Connell's, um, you know. <laughs> I love how he's like, yeah, I'm a freshman in college. She was like, no, you are no, not, you're sir. not. <laughs> you're clearly a 30-year-old man. <laughs> and also, thank you for like kicking Mike Dexter back into place because yeah. he's like, no, they don't give a shit about you if you're a jock in college. Like girls want yeah. people who are like thoughtful and yeah, you know, into they want the Williams of the world. Yes. <laughs> they want people who try hard. Yes. Not like a party dude. Because I loved Amanda's comment about mike like she's like he's the same exact guy that he was four years ago mm-hmm. and i'm like yes call people out when or that situation is calling him out yeah when they don't when grow. You need to grow yeah yeah Hey friends, we're looking for advertising partners. When you support this podcast, you're supporting a woman-owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. If you're interested, email popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com to learn more. In 2018, like any good magazine article website would do, The Ringer ran an article titled... The beer has not gone bad. How can't hardly wait became a teen cult classic and had this to say following in clueless's footsteps. Can't hardly wait helped pave the way for movies like she's all that drive me crazy and 10 things I hate about you. It is a time capsule, not only because of its loud fashion and smash mouth and blink 182 heavy soundtrack, but because movies like it major studio teen rom-com flicks no longer exist. 
as we aged, so did the concept of an all-out team film. There's a Wikipedia. I know that example is terrible. I understand Wikipedia is not a valid source in academia, but this is a podcast, so we're going with it. That has comedy movies listed from the 2010s. And friends, it's seriously lacking. The charismatic, carefree, yet worried teen comedy of the 20th century definitely had trouble moving into the 21st. But what's interesting to me about Can't Hardly Wait is this. While the movie is a time capsule of an era, its overall theme and tone is timeless and teams from any generation have found something they love about this movie. So how does this movie age? Timeless. Classic. 10 out of 10. Fine family. It aged like Gabrielle Union. Yes! Oh my gosh. Too bad she wasn't in the movie. I know, know. the only movie she wasn't in. She was too busy doing Bring It On, on. I think. Um, I know that another article referenced and compared it to um, American Graffiti with the vibes, which I know is uh, very modesto of me to bring it up. Um, um, for listeners at home who may not be familiar, George Lucas is from Modesto. American Graffiti takes place during his high school years. Where were you in the summer of 62 is the tagline. And they do an annual celebration of that film in town. Continue. Which, which I come home for. It's really <laughs> fun. Um, so it just it has those American Graffiti vibes, the up all night, the hot summer nights, the, you know, coming of age stuff. And I think in that way, because I compare it to that movie, which took place in the sixties. I'm like, this is timeless. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think American Graffiti is a really good comparison because Ron Howard's character is on the cusp of leaving for college the next day. Mm -hmm. And Ethan Embry is on the, like he literally referenced that and can't hardly wait numerous times. You're leaving tomorrow. You're leaving tomorrow. What's the point of telling Amanda now you're leaving tomorrow. There's nothing you can do about it. You're leaving tomorrow. Like that is so heavily played out. Unfinished business. Yes. And same within American Graffiti. It's a huge part of um, Ron Howard's storyline is that he's leaving like that's he keeps trying to guilt his friends into doing things with him that night because he's leaving tomorrow mm-hmm. and if I if if Roger I know Roger Ebert has won all of the awards for writing may he rest in peace it might be a little bit of a misogynist in some of his writing but whatever it was to the 80s it's problematic problematic I think that American Graffiti is the most comparable film that you could do a compare and contrast to in terms of themes for high school coming of age one-nighters. Yeah. Yeah. I even think like, there's like the cute, um, you know, getting like, there's like the, the radio DJ kind of aspect of it too, that like to play Mm -hmm, um, and both and like calling into the station. And I don't know. I just think it's, it's, yeah, that's what it reminds me of. And I'm like, there, there's, those are 30 plus years apart. Like it's amazing. Yeah. But there's also just like timeless things like, yeah, kids this, these days go to parties. Kids these days want their friends to sign their yearbooks. High school always is going to come to an end. Like that's never yeah. going to change unless yeah. it's going to change the structure of school. But the structure of school yeah. hasn't really changed in the last no. hundred years. So even in the last two years, like distance learning's ending today, guys. It's like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. everything ends. And it's the yeah. idea of like, how do you want to finish and I just like I liked that this movie just did the whole like everyone was afraid of change in some one way or another everyone wanted to close everyone wanted to close a chapter 
Yeah. yeah. Like Mike wanted to close a chapter with Amanda. Uh, freaking Preston wanted to also open a new chapter. chapter. With the- also close <laughs> a chapter with high school. Open a new chapter. You know what I mean? Like uh, Kenny wanted to, you know, leave high school, not a virgin. Yeah. Uh, everybody had things that they wanted to do. Like uh, when he wanted to get revenge, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody has like something that they want to accomplish. It's like a bucket list kind of thing. Yeah. And I think like every good movie has that aspect that like everybody yeah. has something that they want. Everybody tries to achieve it. And then like, whether they actually get it or not, that's the, like the denouement. You know what I mean? Like that's how yeah. it all. Yeah. I didn't feel like anything was lacking. Like I do. I agree with you. I feel like every, every tiny little storyline got wrapped up in some way, whether it was they're getting busted by the cops. And so that's the end of their narrative or, you know, the six more main characters, like, I agree, like, you leave feeling satisfied with the whole story, because you have resolution for everybody. Yeah. And the only thing that really felt time capsule to me about it was Kenny's outfit. (laughs) Those jinkos. Are you going to walk in space? Like, are you going to the moon? I feel like everything else Kenny's, could kind of play off as a different moment in time. Kenny's yeah. outfit and then Jamie Presley's outfit. Yeah, at the party. Hair, her, the way her hair is styled. Her yeah. hair and then her two-piece. Yeah. Her two-piece outfit. If y'all go to Target right now, they have two-piece outfits almost exactly like that, but in yeah. pastels. And I'm like... Yeah. No, <laughs> we're not doing Not this. going back. I'm not going back. We're I thought not your next thing there. was going to be like, you take it off the rack. <laughs> You're like... <laughs> Those of us who lived through the 90s do not want to relive some of the style. And like when I was watching the newest season of Queer Eye and some of the clothes that Tan was pulling, I was like, "Mm, nope, can't get me in those jeans again. Like I was forced into them in 1995. I'm not doing it in 2022. (laughs) Well, some of it, too. It's like, like, I'm sure Carly can relate because we grew up in the same house. We, our parents, like enforced dressing pretty modestly on us mm-hmm. and so like some of that fashion I was like when I see it now I'm like I could wear that and I'm like but I still don't want to <laughs> yeah yeah I totally get that I think that it's timeless as well again because you have a theme that's never gonna die like you have a theme that's sort of always gonna be there and that theme is the overarching story is it high school has ended now what yeah it's the WTF Mm -hmm. (laughs) and everyone can relate to that no matter what click you were in or what your plans are afterwards you know everyone has to go through that yeah I also think that like now rewatching it as an adult it's like okay so like I'm sure Julie you can relate like I'm probably gonna feel like that like when my kids are in high school or like like you know what I mean like yeah we can relate to that. Like there's always going to be those periods in our life where it's like, what are we going to do now? Like we have to reinvent ourselves again Mm -hmm. and we're always going to have those things. And so it's just a matter of like, are we going to be a William? Are we going to be a Mike? (laughs) Who are we going to be? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be. What's interesting. Yeah. This time around, because you know, my kids 20 years after our high school reunion, Becca, or our high school graduation, Becca. Um, So I'm very emotional about certain aspects, right? Like, because then you reflect when you have a human who's sort of like coming behind you at sort of the same pace. Mm -hmm. um, Watching these films this time around was a little hit a little differently because, and when I say these films, I'm referring to the episodes that you were, you two were on Mm -hmm. with me. 
because there was so much like hope and promise and idealism. And I had so many ideas, you know, just these thoughts of who I was going to be as an adult and what I wanted to achieve. None of those came true. So then to have the culmination of can't hardly wait and see it again. And like that feeling of what I did graduation night, that feeling of senior year and how one, like how much fun I had senior year, it almost makes me really sad because it was just like, I mean, I know exactly how it all got lost when it all got lost. Like I'm not going to yeah. be delusional in that aspect, Yeah. but it makes me, it motivates me to be a better parent for my child in the sense of like, I we're going to do everything we can. So that way you don't fuck up the way that I fucked up. And if you fuck up, that's your business, but it's not going to be because I didn't support you in the yeah. ways that you needed to be supported. Yeah. And I think even like all three of us have like, we've gone through different paths in like the last 20 years, but I think all three of us can relate to the like, Oh no, that's, that's, that's where I went off track. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. Like, like we all have like the, like, Oh, that's where the path skewed away from where it was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. How do we get it closer to that? Or how do we help those around us mm-hmm. get on their correct path? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. No one is without the fucked up business. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, you know, fucked. we even had a conversation the other day where I was just like, I just, you know, you're going to become an adult and being an adult is really scary and it's really hard. And I'm not that great at it either sometimes. So like, just let me know how you need to be supported. Cause I know how I, in my mind, how I want to support you. But if that's not how you need support, then I want you to be open with me and honest about that. So I can support you. So you can do the things that you want to do with your life um, and make those decisions and, and, you know, take the risks that you need to take so you can have what you want when you're 37. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not what I got. Sorry, mom and dad. Oh, is this the bonus part? Whatever. Sorry, mom and dad for listening. (laughs) You're not, I'm not saying they're bad parents. I'm just saying, you know, I don't think that we spoke the same language about what it was that I wanted and how I needed to be supported at that time 20 years ago. I also think that's a new thing. Reflection on, on their generation generation too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the times they are a change in, I feel like the, the relationship that, um, what I see a lot, and I say this as somebody, not someone who has kids, but someone who works with a lot of parents, um, is that the relationship that I see with millennials and later is that we are trying to have a different parent-child relationship than the one that we necessarily had. I think it's also just an adult-child relationship because the relationship, this is me speaking as Carly's sister, the relationship she has with my kids is not the same relationship that we had with our aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like some of, some of that's geographical too, but even with yeah. a sister who's out of state, I feel like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, just like, we try and be like way more present and like mm-hmm. more present and like just set the expectation that we are here mm-hmm. also like mm-hmm. approachable, which I don't think was necessarily like our parents were like, approachable like anybody will say like oh your parents are so cool I love your parents it's like yeah I love my parents too but like it was hard to be their kids sometimes because Mm -hmm. they're they were like really strict and I couldn't talk to them about certain things like going back to the whole party thing I literally had a conversation with my mom after I'd already had children where she said to me yeah but you went to parties in high school I was like no she's like what I was like I never went to parties in high school, mom. She's like, 
well, I just always thought you did. I'm like, so you're saying I could have? Like, yeah, like what? <laughs> well, they were like, they were really good at punishments, and I was the one who got all the punishments. So I feel like everyone after me was like, yeah, that's not worth it. They're super at least, good at that's, punishments. At least I didn't think it was worth it. Rachel yeah. was fine with it, but I think I think our little sister also was, and it's, it has to do with like the whole like social class thing. Mm-hmm. Like, our little sister is like a cheerleader. so it was like I think my parents had the expectation like she's gonna be like in different social situations and Carly and I were nestle it was like what are the band kids doing yeah measuring their penises like (laughs) against their (laughs) instruments yeah that's an interesting point though because my siblings are so much older than I am like they're solidly Mm -hmm. gen x like Mm -hmm. i don't think anybody could argue i mean maybe somebody could but they're solidly gen x and here i am you know trotting along many years later completely different social generation yeah and the things in parenting that worked with my siblings didn't necessarily work with me my siblings didn't have the internet in high school you know cell phones weren't a thing like there's just a totally different generation when it comes to like that. Like, yeah. To page it, our friends. Right. <laughs> and so this idea like this, and I think sometimes too, like this idea now that it exists about like parent your child, the way that your parent, your child needs to be parented because every kid's different. And in a recent conversation I had with my, one of my siblings, it was like, it all needs to be fair. And so then I started thinking like, what does that mean though? Because what's fair for me may not be fair for you because we're different people. We have different needs. We are very clearly different. So like economic statuses at this point. And so all three of us are very different economic statuses at this point. So, you know, it kind of is it's hard I think and you know there are people out there who have a lot of kids that are all far out in age and I just admire them for being able to handle that because I don't think that I could I'd be a very different parent if I had any more children at this point in my life to those children coming in so what you're saying is we need to get you a baby just kidding (laughs) what I'm what I'm hearing is you want to give it a shot (laughs) baby time okay Noted. Okay. Thank you. You're like, Carly, listen, I just, I'm like, still, I'm still trying to find a partner who can put up with my weird quirks. Okay. <laughs> so hard. It is so hard. I think I'm delightful and adorable. Like, I think you are too. What is the problem? Men hear me now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> problem is geographical. It is, a, it is a geographical issue. And we can actually like in our actual friendship, we can have that conversation. Yeah. We're not having that conversation on the podcast. No, Sounds um, good. Yeah. blame it on Modesto. Yeah. Well, for me, I love to party and I love having fun. But in high school, I had this facade of being okay with wild and crazy parties, which in some respects, sure. But again, you know, the loud noises got to me after a while and I just, all the people and the smells. The truth is I was terrified of getting caught by my parents who clearly had no idea how to manage me. And I genuinely did not want to get punished for anything ever at all. Like, my, I don't know if my parents were good at punishment like yours were, but it was definitely terrifying to get punished. But I tell you what, I have been to my fair share of parties like the one in Can't Hardly Wait, and they sure were fun. But nowadays, I don't think I would enjoy it ever, like ever. I don't want to be around 500 people, like ever. <laughs> 
I want to thank my guests for joining me today. This is the last appearance for this segment that you will see them. And it has been such a joy. And I'm so happy that my high school pals, people I experienced high school with, were here to talk about high school movies that came out when we were in high school. So Carly, Becca, can you please tell people where they can find you if they want to keep up with you? Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tidy Revival, where I'm talking about all things home organization um, or at tidyrevival.com. You can find me on Twitter at Becca Montez. I talk about being a mom, my love hate relationship with the Sacramento Kings, and <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot of breastfeeding content. So. <laughs> my love-hate relationship with the Sacramento Kings. Golden. It's hard to love them. Yeah. Hard to love them. Yeah. But she's funny as hell. So follow yeah. her, folks. It is pretty entertaining. I do agree. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is written, edited, and produced by me, Julia Washington. If you love our show and want to support it, there's a few ways you can do that. You can become a supporter on Patreon for $10 a month to receive ad-free episodes with bonus content. Or you can write a review and rate the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And lastly, if neither of those things is your style, you can find us on Instagram. Give us a follow and share our video clips with your friends. We're on IG as Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. <laughs>